Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Break the truth! Just set you free! You can't handle the truth. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. That's not how the force works. Uh, oh, really, you're cold? I'm gonna make him an offer again. I'd buy that for a dollar. Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? Hasta la vista, baby. I don't have friends. I got family. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me sure. I can do this all day. Yeah, I know. I know. Hello and welcome to the Creative Control Movie Podcast. And thank you for joining us for episode 28. In this week's episode, we're going to be doing our roundup review of December. So we are going to be looking at all the cinema releases during December. Uh, streaming services, Netflix, Amazon, Disney Plus, uh, everywhere. Kind of talking through the films that we've seen, giving our opinions on it, give it some ratings. And then we're also going to cover any movies that we might have released earlier in the year. Obviously, Christmas period, there's a little bit more downtime. I know a few of us on here had COVID, so we were like locked away, so we had a chance to catch up on some <laughs> movies. So um, so joining me for today's episode, um, we have our regular scene. We have Alex, Lee, Sasha, and Neil. How are we doing, people? Doing good, doing good. Still well, everyone's COVID-free now, right? Everyone's <laughs> able to go out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good stuff. Good, um, Still haven't good. had it yet. Oh, uh, yeah, you've lucked out. Well, <laughs> Sasha and yourself, neither of you have had it, have you? So you've lucked out. Um, keep that, uh, that run going. Neil, you were quite bad with it, weren't you? Oh, yeah, it, it kicked my ass mm. <laughs> for like... 10 days straight the whole time I was off. Uh, and Lee, were you actually ill with it or did you just did you just had it? No, I just I had it, but it was more just like cold, really. Yeah. Like, not even a bad, not even a bad cold. I mean I had a cold in like mid-November or end of November, mm-hmm. and it was like really bad, constant sneezing, like mm-hmm. every, you know, really bad cold. And I was testing there and it was like negative. And then I did a test Christmas Eve and yeah, combat positive, and I was like getting ready just to go to work. And uh, yeah, well, that's that so you got isolated for Christmas, didn't you? So, yeah, so it was really <sighs> bad. Um, because it was just very frustrating because I, you know, and I think being in isolation as well didn't help the process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being isolated indoors from everyone actually, I think I felt more run down. If mm-hmm. I would have just got up and got out and you know, went out fresh air and started moving and you know, and all that kind of thing. I think that would have helped my recovery rather than yeah. me just sitting at home feeling sorry for myself. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, but um, no, lucky enough, I'm, I'm all good now. So good, yeah. good. And uh, what was an opportunity to say a belated Merry Christmas to all our listeners and a happy new year. Uh, we are, this is our first podcast of 2022. Um, so, um, you know, had a hell of, hell of a ride last year. Um, we really thank you for all your support. Uh, so while you're there, whatever platform you're listening, make sure you subscribe, you're rating us. Um, you know, this is the year that we all want to quit our jobs and do this full time. So help us make it, help us make it happen. <laughs> make it happen. Make it happen. <laughs> uh, right. So, uh, yeah, let's start with some of the cinema releases. So um, I almost forgot this one. I literally just remembered um, as I hit the record button. Um, our first trip to the cinema in December. Sasha, you remember this. Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not if you're not watching this you can see the horror in sasha's face oh, that the man you you said the title and he muted himself and then yeah. just shook his head <laughs> <laughs> so resident evil welcome to raccoon city now 
I'm not a person who's played the games. I think I've played one game, <laughs> Resident Evil 3, maybe, uh, on the Wii, like when Sasha lent me his Wii, like, ages ago, where you could do, like, the bow and arrow stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. So I went into this not knowing anything, really. And it was a pretty awful movie, even for somebody who not a fan of the franchise the, the um the characters or anything it's very much felt like a <clears throat> straight to dvd type or movie and I, I mean that as in it wasn't really good enough for netflix streaming you know it was there's there's a difference between netflix movies streaming movies and bargain basement dvd movies and that um just ridiculous plot points um really over the top scenes real overacting uh, and it just so it frustrated me and to see Sasha who's a fan of the franchise <laughs> just like the way he's seeing these characters brought to life on the on the screen in this like this uh this new version uh yeah he was quite horrified so Sasha is there anything you want to say on it or do you want to just kind of move on I think I think Yui Boyle would have done a better job Hey, <laughs> that's how I feel about it. It it was terrible, man. It was like mm. some fanboy got got the license from Capcom and went to town, man. I don't know where he got the budget from. Fair enough. Okay, you had some cool set design where they made it look like the mm-hmm. game, mm-hmm. but you know it had the worst script ever. George Lucas could have written a better script. <laughs> it was Damn. bad. It was freaking it, bad. It was Not bad. That, there was one was scene like... in particular, which is, I think is from the game session, where this like tanker drives through to the front of like the police station, and the way they did it is like there's the guy at the front desk with like a Sony Walkman headphones on because this is like set in like the 80s or whatever it is, um, nice, and, this, nice. and he's listening to music, and the tanker comes down nicely. So the tanker comes down, just like kind of explodes in front of him. It's like he doesn't hear a thing. It's like. Bruv ain't wearing noise cancelling headphones. Yeah. Headphones and warmers that you were in the 90s, you could hit everything. And it was just it, it just ridiculous <laughs> things like that, which tried to play out for some humor. And it just was just oh just so bad. Just so and that bad. was just it. If you know the game, that was nothing like how it went down in the game. The guy in the mm. the guy in the station, he was like outside kind of thing. Like that's the opening cutscene number two. Yeah, they run out of the way. Yeah, they run out. Of, that's how they get separated because he's with Claire, and then mm. the tanker hits the hits the. And as that mm. happens, that sets a light, and they're on either side of it, and the zombies are everywhere. I mean, mm. like, yeah, it's bad, man. Like most people, like Leon Kennedy is a fan favorite. He is he's done it injustice. They make him. They take the rookie cop cliche to a whole nother level of dumbness guy can't <clears throat> use a shotgun one in one scene yet knows how to operate a goddamn fucking bazooka at the end yeah, yeah. rpg it was like <laughs> yeah. what, what the fuck is going on man and wesker oh my god wesker was don't get seriously it was bad it was it was really bad you know what it was so bad it made the cut scenes from the original game look great <laughs> in fact i would have preferred it if they if they said this is the acting and we're going to copy the original game where it's like hey chris over there and stuff like that i would have laughed my ass off fair enough it would have made no money because equally a lot of people would have thought it was shit but at least i would have got it you know what i mean this yeah. film tried to bite off more than it could chew it tried it didn't to do well. 
It tried to put two mm-hmm. games into one movie. Mm-hmm. Really didn't work. Didn't even adapt either one well. And it mm. was just terrible, man. It was terrible. Yeah. I think I think I might give it a two or three out of ten. I can't remember. But three. I gave it I, I, I gave it a quarter of a star. <laughs> so that, i'm sure that's going to make uh my top 10 worst films of the year anyway uh, and such as well so <laughs> next up um next up in the cinema uh, i take you know the rest of you saw it if you no, you, just, you just wonders how these films get made because yeah. like you say it's such a big franchise resident evil it's been around for years and it obviously it's had a few yeah a lot of it's down to rights so sometimes they just have to make a movie to hold on to the rights Mm-hmm. And, you know, they wanted to keep it probably low budget. Um, they probably had, you know, with the pandemic and everything going on, they're probably tightening their string purses and just like, you know what, if we can make this as cheap as possible and just kind of put it out there. Um, I just imagine what has kind of happened. So Again, don't Sony own it. Yeah, <laughs> Sony owned a, You know what? I think Sony owned the distribution rights, but I don't think they owned the actual screen rights to the IP. I think, I think uh, at this yeah. point, the screen rights went back to Capcom and Constantine Films or whoever the fuck they were. They were like, cool, let's just grab that. It's a because it's all about IP. And you know, you got to understand, like, I think Resident Evil as a franchise, film franchise. They're shot on the cheap anyway. They're they're not like Avengers level <laughs> money makers, but they are. But the franchise in general was a, you know, it was a money maker. I mean, yeah. like, what it started on like a twenty million budget or a thirty million budget, made a hundred million. That's mm-hmm. that's bare profit if you think about yeah. it, of considering. And I think like the last one was probably in the hundred million range. And still, at that point, it's making back about four hundred million. I am not looking at box office mojos, but do you know out, out in front of me? So I can't give you exact numbers, but you can see what I mean <clears> in terms of what yeah, they put in and the return. Yeah, that's a huge return, uh, a huge return. And they bankrolled that until they got bored, until <clears> they got bored, not the <throat> audience. Until they yeah. decided, you know what, maybe we should do other movies, or you know, they, they you know. They're rich, in it. They're rich bitches. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, we're done. We're cool. We've done what we we can now go make other shit films now. But like, you know, opportunity for a next guy. And this film was on a shoestring budget. And in some places, you could really tell it was. You know, um, yeah, it lost money, but has it dented the brand? Uh, I don't think it has. Maybe a movie adaptation shouldn't be done for a while. Maybe a Netflix series would be better. But then I've seen the pictures for that Netflix series, and I ain't impressed with that either. So you know what I mean? Yeah, like, the Netflix series is the name. The, the budget <laughs> reports are the budget for this one was twenty five million, which in this yeah. day and age, you know, is what it is. So how much did it gain back at the moment so far? Um, I can have a quick look. I have to say, though, in fairness, however uh, much money you paid for your ticket, that's what it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. Cine- okay. Cineworlds, we didn't pay squat. Uh, <laughs> they can take my, my percentage, they can take my two, three pound percentage of what that would have been with the amount of times I visited in uh, December. <laughs> but Kea, um, Scalderio, she was okay in it, to be fair. She did carry the movie for what it was. Um, she was the one who was in uh, what was that crocodile movie? Uh, oh. cruel. cruel, yeah, cruel. cruel, you know. So, and I think she she, she is a talent. Um, and uh, yeah, so let's uh, um, let's it's all right, you know what? That that makes me feel better about it because I, now I think every every good actor needs a dud film. It's <laughs> gross 33 million worldwide, 33, wow. yeah. 
I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. That's, that's, wow. yeah, that's, a, that's a bit of a hard flop then. That's, that's hard. <laughs> wow. God damn. Has it opened in every market though? That's the other um, thing. Can, the, it's can China opened, save it? <laughs> it's only, it grew 16 million in America. 16. Yeah. Um, uh, so what? It made 14 in Europe, and that's it. <laughs> the UK it made 675 grand. Um, I'm intrigued. Wow. Let's have a look. There's that people is, that win more money it's, than it's the Mexico, Colombia, Russia, Australia hasn't hit China, but okay. So yeah, hasn't. Hang on. I still ain't gonna save it though. <laughs> uh-huh. Save nothing. <laughs> Okay, uh, so it's not open in all areas just yet. And I don't think it will because they're yeah. not going to spend any more money on marketing. It's like... Just, <laughs> Did they really spend money in marketing? Just let it, <laughs> let it die. Let it die. All right, let's, uh, yeah. let's move on from uh, Resident Evil. Uh, right, so the next film um, is West Side Story. So Steven Spielberg's reimagining of this. How many of you have seen it? Yep. <clears throat> You've seen it. The rest of you haven't. Okay. Not a I, I was a huge fan of the original movie. Um, I'm a fan of the musical. Um, I actually mm-hmm. studied it uh, for my GCSE music. It was part of something that we were doing at the time, mm-hmm. um, which we had to write an essay on and stuff like that. So I, kn- I knew the songs quite well. I knew themes and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, for me, I think maybe because of the, the issues with the main star, um, I don't think it maybe got the publicity that it would have in terms of, Marketing in terms, you know, just like interviews and all that kind of stuff, because um, Anson Elgore has been sort of like me too'd, you know, he's had he's been doing uh. some naughty things. Um, <clears throat> so I just don't think it kind of got that, but as a movie, it mm. was fantastic, absolutely oh, yeah. fantastic. It was mm. gorgeous. The cinematography, the set design, the lighting, the color palette, um. You know, it was it was magnificent. Um, you know, really strong performances. Ansel Elgort was great. Uh, Rachel Zelga, you know, you know, really great. You know, it's a really um, strong cast. Um, I think Spielberg said when he was doing it that every single person in it um, had to have a Latino um, uh, heritage. Um, mm. You know, from from the Latino side, you know, to try and make it as genuine as possible. One thing oh, the sure. decision made was that it was not subtitled. So any part in the movie where they spoke Spanish, it wasn't subtitled in English. Yeah, I heard I heard about that actually. Yeah. The, yes, it's right. Yeah, it was a decision by Spielberg because he what he said is he want didn't want to dumb the film down to be for a, a typical American or white audience in a sense of, you know, this is for white people, so we need to subtitle it for white people. It was supposed to be for everyone, for Latinos. So what but I think that hopefully if they do audio audio subscribe describe versions or subtitle versions just do the english in spanish as well I, I i don't understand why there wouldn't be a subtitle version where you have the spanish subtitled in english and then the english subtitled in spanish to make it fair because there might be a lot of people out there who want to see a subtitle version because of whatever disability they have and they don't get the opportunity so i think that might be a little bit disappointing might be something that comes on the blu-ray or dvd <coughs> release you, or I was, I, yeah I was, I was curious when i heard about that is it the case of you don't 
need you know you can still you get what they're saying the you can very much yeah. understand exactly what's going on there's they they kind of what they do is they will kind of say something in spanish and then kind of almost repeat it in english or or okay. say the same thing again in english so you do understand what they're saying you get it from the performances you get it from your environment and um you know it does feel you know authentic in that sense you know so yeah. I, there's you know for me there's a big praise i thought that was really good i didn't have an issue with it at all you know yeah, it's, it's just um, something i've you know i mean i've seen it in like movies and tv shows before but it's always been where you kind of you don't really need to know what they're yes. talking about. You know, it'll just be like side characters chatting away in yeah. you know whatever you know russian or whatever you know whatever language it is that yeah. actually the film is around and it's kind of like it's just to you know add add a, add a little something where you don't actually need to know what they're saying. Where obviously for this, it yeah. sounded like it was more obviously to yeah. follow the story potentially. But I, I had heard that it wasn't really necessary to actually get yeah. the subtitles. That you no, get definitely from from um, the expressions and, and that yeah, stuff. you get it. You get it all from the performances. You get it all from the performances. And as much as I think this is a, a spe- really well made movie, and it's Spielberg on great form. It wasn't my favorite musical this year, um, but I can understand, and I would be happy if Spielberg actually won best director for this at the Oscars because he directed the hell out of that even though it might not be <clears> the best <throat> movie you know so but Neil what was your thoughts on it easily I mean look at that it, it I, I I sent I'm sure I sent you guys my original top 10 for the year yeah and then I watched like three or four other films and I was like nah this got to change and West Side Story went in there immediately Mm-hmm. That everything you said, Ken, I, I I second. I mean, the film genuinely felt actually authentic. Yeah, like for for, for I feel like anyone who watches that film, if English is your second language, if you had to learn English, you will understand the you will understand the sharks. You will understand mm-hmm. the whole thing of it's so simple to just flip to just speak in your mother tongue because you know the people you're talking to understand it and then they have to say no say it in english because you have to practice yeah you know that and i mean even some of the changes they made i mean can i can i throw out spoilers because yeah it, yeah this is, this is uh, yeah, throw about. if you haven't seen it then stick your fingers in your ears <laughs> but you know, they, they made some changes. So, like, they changed some of the orders of the songs and they changed some of the people who did the songs. Hmm. Like, they gave, they gave, like, a, a particular song to a different character or something. Yeah. And it worked. It mm-hmm. absolutely worked. I mean, the only kind of... The only issue I had with the film was at the end, I feel like... um Maria should have been acting. She her acting more passionate. Mm-hmm. There should have been more emotion in Maria at the end. Other than that, Chef's Kiss yeah. and those scenes that you're talking about. There is one scene in particular, and this scene is shown in the trailer. I believe mm-hmm. it's the first scene in the second trailer. And my gosh, when you see the scene in the film, it feels totally different. Is that the one and with the shadows? Yes. Yes. It's right. It's when that, that's like probably movie. almost that's probably like my second scene of the year. The way mm. that that was shot and the lighting and the way, yeah, like you say, it feeds together from the story in the movie. Mm-hmm. It was it was beautiful, beautifully yeah. done. Um, and a big shout out to like uh, Mike Face who played Riff. I thought he was really really good. 
Um, and Ariana DeBose, who played Anita, um, mm. fantastic. She, she was, was amazing. She was amazing. Real, real passion there. So, yeah, big shout out for that movie. Uh, definitely go see it, guys, um, and all mm. listeners. Um, it's, it's definitely one to watch for the year. Uh, actually, a really strong year for musicals, and we'll come probably touch on some more of those later. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so I think, well, the f- we've been waiting for, for, which seemed like forever. Um, we, did, <laughs> we did our separate review of this. Um, unfortunately, Neil and Sasha couldn't make it um on that one but spider-man no way home okay so i gotta say when when all the stuff was coming about spider-man and we were gonna have the spider-man from spoilers different universes uh appearing in this movie and the fact that they were gonna bring back toby Maguire, andrew garfield and all this kind of stuff and the villains i was not a fan I was really adamant. This is not what I wanted from the MCU. I was like, <laughs> you're bring, you're making the rest of the stuff canon. Um, I don't like it. I don't want it. I, I think it's just like a cash grab, and I just didn't see it. The way it was executed, I hold my hands up and say, that was a phenomenal job. It was done to perfection, and it was done in a way that it didn't overshadow the whole film with those two coming in. It wasn't like we've got 20 minutes of stuff and then we're throwing them in to have them in for a huge amount of time. I thought the actual screen time that they were given, it was, it was a perfect amount. Um, the interactions between the different characters is fantastic. And it's, it's quite funny how many people have actually gravitated to Andrew Garfield from this movie who may have not been huge fans of Amazing Spider-Man. Now, I said recently, I rewatched him before this movie, and I think I was like, I think I remember him too harshly. And I was like, actually, I enjoyed um, Amazing Spider-Man one, and two, one more than two, but I, there was definitely parts of both that I liked, but they, but they have definitely had their problems. For me, Andrew Garfield in this movie wasn't necessarily the same Peter Parker that we had, and he was like a matured version of him, and I think it served the character in his incarnation of it better. Um, he just didn't seem as a cooler Peter Parker. Do you know what I mean? And just that yeah. kind of arrogance and stuff like that. He was a, a bit more weathered, and I think that definitely plays to his strength for him in the likability in the movie. But Neil uh, and Sasha, let me go to you guys because obviously Alex and Lee, you know, we kind of spoke about it. But Neil, um, what was your thoughts on the, the film? I really, really, really liked it, mm-hmm. but I didn't love it. Oh, okay, controversial. <laughs> no, I think emotional damage. I think the reason why I didn't love it is because there was no surprises in it for me. There was no every single kind of moment where, and I watched I watched it twice in the cinema. Mm-hmm. There uh, every moment where everyone else, <gasps> I was like, that was six months ago. I knew that. Oh, that was eight months ago, any of that. And I was sitting there and I was, in part, I have to hold up my hands and say it's my own fault because, mm-hmm. you know, I I read up on films and I want to know about what's happening with these films that I'm watching. So it is, for all intents and purposes, my fault. But at the same time, I think back to Endgame and I think back to Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And I think back to all the information that I knew. I read the comics. I knew- <clears throat> to happen in in certain respects and yet there were so many shocks in 
and surprises in mm. both of those movies. There were so many times I had zero idea of what was about to happen. Mm-hmm. And yet with this film, I I could almost pinpoint when things were going to happen. Mm-hmm. Is that because and, there's so many more characters in Endgame that you there was more, you know, because say what 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 you had a lot of information for this film, a lot of information for Endgame. So what yeah. what was the actual sort of what's the difference? Well, it was just how, like how every because I knew so much information, like, okay, I knew about the char- who was going to be in it. I knew who was going to be in it. So it was sort of like, I knew the moments that they were going to be in it. Right. So, you know, it was like, oh, right after Peter gets arrested, and he's like, oh, he's, he's, he's sitting down talking with a lawyer. And I was like, well, I know who that is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, the moment was like, I need to find Peter Parker. And I was like, Yep, I know exactly what's going to about to happen. It was, it was, it was a great movie, and in my heart, I say I would probably have loved it if I knew nothing. If I mm-hmm. absolutely went into it completely blind, it would arguably, it would be like hands down, probably my favorite film of the year. If I knew nothing, yeah. But I went I in. That. I was in the same boat as you, and it's it's the, it's the curse of being someone who reports on movie news and you know, yeah. tries to share things. And, and I didn't, I found this out, or I didn't share it with anybody because I wouldn't want to spoil any of this for anybody. Mm-hmm. But I knew both of them returning. I'd seen the videos. I'd seen the screenshots, seen, seen the photos. Yeah, I'd seen them. the Daredevil photos and Matt Murdock and stuff like that. So yeah, I was the same, but I still thought they did it well, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I think what it was also is I probably enjoyed it more mm-hmm. because the audience I watched it with was fantastic um, we were at the okay. IMAX. It was a sold-out show uh, on on opening day, second showing of the day, and everybody was whooping and clapping and stuff like that. And I think maybe I got caught up in that as well. So even though I knew what it was and I knew what right. was happening, it was like, yeah, 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 this is awesome. I love this. <laughs> so yeah, I, I get what yeah. you mean, though. Um, I did have I, other problems, though. He did have some problems. Uh, don't get me wrong. Um, why you know he didn't go to you know Doctor Strange and say just make everybody forget about Mysterio. Yeah. No, do you know what? The whole thing of that, like, (laughs) the fact that he, because it, because I think his request, I was comfortable with the request. It's like he is 16? He's 17, I think? 17 to 18. He's a a senior in high school. He's about to graduate. So he's like 17, going to be 18 soon, right? So I was like, I can understand the lack of specificity in his request yeah yeah but my no my issue came one of my issues came right at the damn end i did not like that may parker had her own grave i uh, sorry i understand yeah, yeah for the people who have not who don't know spider-man's law who just watched the movies we ain't seen uncle ben in this i understand that I just don't give a fuck. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hell you know, no. The fact that we haven't actually meant for, you know, we actually haven't seen him, that would have been the perfect right. just little nod to be like, yeah, he's like later aspect. And, and to, me, the, to me, I was like, you didn't even need to see his name. All you needed to see was a big grave, a double grave that said Parker, and maybe there's, maybe the flower down cover up where it says Ben, and all we know is something Parker, and then May Parker, you know. That's all I needed. Just the acknowledgement, because in Homecoming, 
he acknowledges the existence of Uncle Ben. It's a blink and you'll miss it moment. But in the dialogue, he says the words. He says, I've had these powers for six months. And bad happens and you can stop it and you don't. That little riff to me, okay, you can say it's a throwaway line. But to me, I'm like, you talking about Uncle Ben. And I'm sure. I'm sure. Even not, that, I'm sure. Even in that first film, Neil, does, I'm sure he mentions. I'm trying to think. Is it to Ned when he says he says to Ned, "May's been through a lot." Been through a lot. And I'm sure he says. Yeah, with, he, I'm sure he, well, says, he says, I'm sure he says Uncle Ben. I'm sure he says Uncle Ben. Right? I mean, he been a while alludes to it rather than confirm. Yeah, he doesn't confirm. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like um, for me, for me, yeah, I had a huge. I do have a huge issue with that also. But it doesn't stop me from not enjoying the movie to the extent that mm. I did. Um, him not be maybe that's a, maybe they're reserving that for a future story later on. Maybe Uncle, maybe the events happened as the origin did happen. Maybe they have a story that they could tell with that. I don't know. I'm willing to skirt the issue. I, I think it's just it's, it's just a different on. Peter Parker. We had Uncle Ben twice. Yeah, so you know, this is different with the origin, and that's that guilt from not doing that is why he's Spider Man, why he puts on the suit in the first place. It's it's more or less the essential backbone to his origin story. You take that away, there's no point to him being Spider Man anymore, there's no point into why he fights crime in the first place, there's no that all of that is gone, basically, because that's in the DNA of the character. And you could that's argue, oh, but it's a different this. Get the fuck out of here, man. All right, cool. Bruce, Bruce's parents are alive. See, part, <clears throat> of, part of the hero's journey is something awful has to happen in order for him to become the thing that he needs to do. And that's what all of these superhero origin stories are. They're another take on the hero's journey. And if that's not the event, there and everyone's going, oh, it's Aunt May, it's Aunt May. No, it isn't because he's already the guy. It changes. Yeah, but, you know, he was. You know, he's the guy. He's the guy in Homecoming that you know. Look, when when we first see him, um, Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man finds him. Tony Stark finds him. He's just trying to help out a few bits and pieces there. So for me, I think it's just someone who's coming to some powers, and he feels like he can try and help some people. That's um, but that, hang on, that's but, that, but, that's, but that's but that's what he does. And then obviously he has the mentorship with um, Tony Stark. He dies, um, you know, and you know he teaches him to be the friendly neighborhood Spider Man, and you know he puts all that kind of pressure on him. Then he puts the pressure on him to be an Avenger, and he doesn't want to be, doesn't take that up, and then he becomes see, an Avenger. See that? And, you know, so he, he has that's people. Not- I get, I get what that you're saying. Okay, so what, okay, so you're saying, but I okay. So why does Marvel? Why does Miles Morales become Spider Man? Well, he gets bitten by the spider, but he has hero worship with um, Peter. Yeah, in fact, in, in the comics, it's Peter's death. Sorry to yeah. spoil it for whoever don't know, but yeah. in the comics, it's Peter's death that motivates him to be Spider Man. So he's not Spider Man before Peter dies. That's true because no, he's, he's got the powers. I mean, his, he's got I the mean, powers. His, but I mean, here's the thing. I mean, interaction so Spider Man in the DNA is so instilled in the DNA of the character that. No, sorry. It's like, okay, fair enough. I get reinvention and all of that. But no, at least with um, the films before, it didn't um, 
throw that under a bus. You know, it's like we've told that story. We don't need to show it again. You know what I mean? I would say one thing. Yeah. Like, the little, the little fleeting references to Ben is like you assume whether yeah. it's you know exactly how it's always been in terms of Uncle Ben dying and you know this that and the other. But you know, for me, the MCU is okay. Yeah, there's been an Uncle Ben. He yeah, has passed away. I mean, there's that's a lot of the, people out there that really have a big this, problem this that Iron Man gives him. Hold on, hold on, don't, 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 don't talk over each other. And I was going to say what? this. This one was the. Um, it was just to get the. Um, the line out really was, you know, yeah, oh yeah, uh, totally. great power, great responsibility, for, which was down to me. Mm-hmm. But I, I always, just, I was just took it that yeah, Ben existed. Yeah, you know, the origin has kind of happened similar to how we've always known it. But as you said, we'd seen it two times previously, so Marvel are kind yeah. of we don't need to like rehash it. We Agreed. just, yeah. you know, and Sony has taken a lot. Your mind, you know. Sony has taken a lot from the PlayStation game with Aunt May, and, oh, and again, spoilers for the game, Aunt May's death in the game. Him taking on the apartment, oh, you know, the whole end scene that you know he graduates in terms of donning his own suit with the sewing <laughs> machine and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it took a lot from the PS4. Lee, what were you going to say? I was going to say the, the only issue I had with Homecoming was like if we're saying that he's sort of 17, 18 now, we're saying that in Homecoming, <laughs> 15, 16. Yeah. Yeah. So you think he's lost his parents, mm-hmm. he's lost his. Uncle, uncle. <laughs> at that age, and then the time that we meet him, I think he'd be a lot more damaged than what he was. I'm telling yeah. you now, I've lost both my parents and my uncle. I would not be as chirpy and up, yeah. you know, like he was in that film. I would see what you, but for me, I would think oftentimes in, in certain iterations, they don't give you a why he's lost his parents if he if they if they was mm. you know hypothetically they died in a car five and he's always lived with his aunt his memory of is different than if he lost his parents minimal yeah and lost his yeah. uncle at 15 and it's like what well, mm. I, I mean I one think... thing I it is I like that made him the last is the one, you know, with because in the in the circumstances that she gives it to him, it um in the circumstances it where she sense. gives it to him, not only does it make sense, but it reaffirms or it gives you a reason as to why Spider Man could go on into into future events, future films, whatever. Mm-hmm. Why you could look at it and say, okay. This is why Spider-Man doesn't kill. This is why Spider-Man yeah. always tries to save someone. Because mm-hmm. even in her even in her moments of dying, okay, yeah, she didn't know that she was gonna die, but in her moments mm-hmm. of dying, she was like, No, trying to save people, no matter how bad or misguided they are, might be always yeah. the right thing. And I like that, I love that. That was brilliant. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't take away from the fact that there should have been some kind of to me personally obviously it's just my own opinion kevin feige outweighs my opinion by about a billion tons right <laughs> and you know what what he says goes right but to me there should have been some kind of concrete affirmation that uncle ben existed and uncle ben died tragically yeah i have to say i was surprised that he that she yeah, wasn't I, lying I, next I to his grave i agree um 
I agree. But like again, it's kind of like they don't need to retread it. Um, but again, I don't like I don't like the affirm what's it them affirming that it's a retcon if that makes sense kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's just me personally. Otherwise, yeah, it didn't I, take away from my enjoyment of the movie. I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I, you know, called it for. Remember when we did the creative control Spider Man one? I mm-hmm. said, look, there are two ways this could go down. And it turned mm-hmm. out both of the ways I said were on the table with Marvel. Mm-hmm. The first way was they should do a Craven the Hunter story Craven. because the chameleon yeah. was set up in the last one. Because mm-hmm. um, Dimitri is the chameleon. Dimitri, the bus yeah. driver, is the chameleon. Mm-hmm. The chameleon is a villain that can, you know, transform into anyone kind of thing with the mask and stuff. And in the comics, he transforms into Spider-Man, giving Spider-Man a way out of the identity crisis with Mysterio. You know? Yeah. And so I thought I was he was like, going to okay, use some well, of the Mysterio tech cool, to crazy. create But then what would be cool, and this would never happen, and this is what I said, I said... They should do like Spider Verse. The mm-hmm. Spider Verse is a popular animated show, uh, animated film. Let's do Spider Verse, bring in all the Peter Parkers against the mm-hmm. threat, whatever that threat may be, and and then that way we can put Garfield with the Waste Venom universe, have Maguire in his Rami trilogy, and Rami could probably do a four and a five or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And finish his whole thing because no one wants it to end on Spider Man <laughs> three. Let's be fair. And I knew that would never happen. I went ridiculous. I dreamt big. And guess yeah, what? Yeah. You might be fucking getting all of this. So, you know. You never know. It's, exactly. Um, you might they're be. They're talking about it. They are actually talking about it. And yeah. like that, you know, uh, for me, I really liked it because this surpassed everything that I thought it could be. So, yeah. you know, and yeah. not only that, they did it well. So, mm. no, you know, the Uncle Ben thing. Yeah, I do agree with Neil. Um, mm-hmm. Everything he said, because I'm, uh, you know, I prefer my stuff to be how it is in the books, you know, which is why I love the Rami trilogy probably a little bit more than what they've done in the MCU films. But mm-hmm. I've I've liked the iteration in the MCU. I've really enjoyed both, you know, all three Spider-Man films. So, you know, and I felt this one, you know, as everyone says it is, it's like the greatest Spider-Man <laughs> film because it's literally a combination of like all the movies that have come before, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense, whether you liked them, whether you didn't like them. And Kem's right. The biggest surprise was Andrew Garfield. He was so much more likable in this movie Mm -hmm. than in his own movies. I hate those movies. They're they're fucking trash to me. I I rewatched them painfully recently and I stick by my opinion. They're even worse than I remember. And, uh, (laughs) but that's just me. You know, I I really fucking hate those films. Um, But, you know, be good in this yeah. movie. He wasn't. And he talked about, um, talk about Andrew Garfield, possibly seeing Andrew Garfield again because everyone yeah. liked him. But I twigged, uh, I think I brought it up in another episode mm. where uh, where Toby Maguire comes in and mm. says, That's not your friend, and points at Andrew Garfield. And then they start firing off webs at each other. Now, how yeah. does he know that that's not their friend if he hasn't seen them before? Because he's. Because he's an older guy with, like, two kids. (laughs) (laughs) In a Spider-Man costume. Plus, if we're being blunt. I think we'll see Maguire again. 
I, I be think surprised. so too. I've I've said that before on the podcast because um, I, I I said this. Why get Sam Raimi for Doctor Strange for a Doctor Strange movie? But he recognizes Ned's mum as well. How does he he recognizes his mum? Hmm. He says I know, he says I know you or I've I've met you or something. He says as he steps through the portal. No, he says I've seen you. I've seen you I've seen as you. if like he knows. Yeah. Okay. How does he know? No. Yeah, but um, anyway, I let's just say William Defoe. I think he William Defoe. I think, I, think, like, I think the bets are on that he will be. I think Doctor yeah. Strange yeah. is gonna like fuck with everything. Who 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 reckons Ben Affleck will come back as Daredevil? <laughs> <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Let's not. Now I'm just chatting. Now I'm really <laughs> chatting shit. <laughs> that's say that's oh, like man, what's happened with like... Ken? What he's still there? I'm still, he's still there. there. Yeah. Oh, my thing. My thing's got in loads. <laughs> Let me get rid of um, my face. Maybe we'll bring him back. Hang on. So William William Defoe, he was amazing in no, this. Um, he was chill. He was just the scene. The Maybe scene where they're fighting, and he's like punching him in lag? the face, and um, you know he's just staring at him, laughing and stuff like that. Mm. Is just that was just that was that was crazy. That that just cemented his like, his greatness in this. He was absolutely fantastic. Um, but yeah, some really solid performances all around. Um, you know, thoroughly enjoyable movie, lived up to the hype. Who knows what we're going to get from it moving forward? But you know, just a really, really well, really well done. To be fair, um, they pulled it off fantastically. Um, yeah, I, mean, I didn't see any any like Neil. I didn't see any spoilers, so that was a. I'm have to say that was a, a massive ben, You know, well, ben it definitely was a. Because I the audience I, that we saw as well, they were incredible. The audience at the IMAX, it was oh, just it was the best movie experience I've had in a long time, where everyone's yeah. like literally screaming, clapping, cheering. <laughs> it, was just, it was just so Imagine good. That would, have, that would have been. Yeah. I'm sure that would have increased. We got everyone. <laughs> Um, yeah, Satcher, was you. We were all here, bruv. It was you having connection. Oh, okay. Problem. I couldn't see or hear you, dude. So, <laughs> no worries. Um, Okay, so let's move on because we could talk Spider-Man forever. So we'll, we'll touch on Spider-Man more. We're going to do a separate podcast about Spider-Man, what's next. Um, we'll do that soon. Mm. So we'll talk a lot more about this and what the future of the character involves and stuff like that. So let's talk um, Matrix Resurrections. Um, fourth in the fourth in the franchise, uh, a long time coming. Um, I, I didn't get to see it at the cinema because I, I had COVID. So I, um, I got it on streaming, uh, HBO Max. Um, and <clears throat> it's <laughs> it's the film that divides me in a sense that when, when I spoke to Sasha, I said to him, because uh, he'd seen it, and I said, do you think it's, um, do you think this is kind of like a movie <coughs> where they've just kind of done it to hold on to the rights? kind of thing and he was like watch the movie and that you'll that'll kind of answer your question and they kind of do that in the in the thing with the game saying oh yeah warner brothers is making us make another game we have to redo it because we'll lose the rights to it and it did pretty much feel like that's the reason this has come about at this time it didn't look or feel like the matrix movies it doesn't have the look feel and tone of the other three however you could argue that this is kind of a reboot so therefore, it should be slightly different. Um, I thought the idea of the Matrix being a game was a good idea. That mm -hmm. kind of did explain. They kind of explain why he was having these visions, and you know that kind of element. 
the fact that they use screenshots of his memory as the game was just stupid. How has he created that? Uh, you know, it's it's like they've recorded everything that's happened in the movie from the Matrix, but a lot of the stuff happened in the real world. So how could they have recorded those scenes like the Matrix couldn't have recorded it and downloaded it? It was really bizarre use. Of, I mean, for me, it's probably just budget and laziness. You know, they weren't going to create, but they could have thrown images from the original Matrix games or whatever it is. I don't know. Which are, just, which are canon to the story as Which well. are canon. And yeah, yeah, exactly. It could have explained it a little bit better. So I, that was really lazy for me, just seeing actual still you know screens and stills and videos of the original movies as the game was really lazy um it was very much rehash uh, in terms of the storyline just trying to find out you know willing to accept the matrix what it is what it's not um the fighting scenes are underwhelming overall um i wouldn't go back and watch that movie for any action scenes as much as two and three has its problems you could go back and watch it as an action movie and still be blown away by some of those scenes didn't really have any of those moments. Um, I like the fact that you had Agent Smith in it, but not having Hugo Weaving back, huge mistake for me. Um, and yeah, it just, there was just, it just wasn't enough for me. I just felt really lax, luster, really kind of disappointed. Um, you know, Neo couldn't fly, so you had to have the stupid bike scene, which lasts for ages. Um, but then they can, both fly at the end or whatever it is. I don't know. It was just, and then, you know, she's flying and holding him in midair at the end. It was just, I know just things just about it just kind of really felt off to me. And it just <laughs> wasn't what I hoped it would be. And the trailer made it look a lot more exciting than it was. Um, yeah. You know, that made it like, Oh my God, this Bravo is a marketing. Yeah, yeah. Well, fucking <laughs> yeah, it did something right. We saw those trailers, was like, damn, that's awesome. But yeah, yeah, it was just, it just happened. That's kind of how I feel about it. It just happened. I saw it. I'm not going to watch it again. Uh, there's no, there's nothing for me to revisit on that. So, guys, let me throw it out there. Alex, what did you think? Very similar to yourself. Um, it was just things like, again, um, Obviously, not having Hugo Weaving, fine. But I don't even understand why Agent Smith is in it in the first place. Mm -hmm. Because surely, okay, even if this is like a rebooted version of the actual Matrix, Agents, I'm pretty sure, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen two and three, but I'm pretty sure that obviously Neo does destroy Agent Smith in the third one. Well, you've got to think about it like, you've got to think about it like a computer program. So basically... When, yeah, but even but why would they then if they but obviously even in the first one obviously when he takes his earpiece out there's like this little bit of oh he want he doesn't want to be in the matrix so why would the machines like create another because he's part of, of the original coding he's a piece of code they're all pieces of code like think about the matrix being a computer program right. Everybody yeah, you can that pick, exists, you can pick and choose what code you use. Then so surely for me it just didn't matter. You, why you, would you, why well, you, you could, you could, but, you, right? you got to think about it from the point of view as a programmer, because that's the whole point of it. Um, he's a piece of code that's integral to the Matrix. He got corrupted the minute the one touched him or whatever their encounter in the first one, which is why yeah. he became a virus, you know, because yeah. that wasn't supposed to happen. So he becomes yeah, a I'm virus that. That's just, that could potentially be the biggest threat on the Matrix, which is the whole point of the trilogy. So basically, he's a virus. Neo's Norton's antivirus. That is literally it. 
You know, I'm breaking it down. Now, in this one, Mm -hmm. Smith is just there because the thing is, even though, you know, he's a computer program, he was in the original Matrix. So he's just there, just doing his function, whatever that is. You know what I mean? He's slightly changed, but do you know what I mean? But but Neo's cured him. He's no longer a virus. You know, he's just part of the system, isn't it? See, yeah, I he was still, but the thing is, he was two and three, so that's where, that's where it kind of didn't make sense to me. So I could understand if he was like completely yeah. like Agent Smith again from scratch, but Reset. he seemed to like know what had happened throughout two and three, which to yeah. me didn't make sense because he's still able to manipulate the matrix as much as Neo is, so it's not like he's yeah. not special. He's yeah, able to still manipulate, and, and that's just it. I mean, Smith gets his powers because Neo manipulated him it's also reason why trinity has powers because when neo saves her in number two and resuscitates her back to life he put implants part of his code in her which yeah, is he goes in to take the yeah, bullet out. which is which is why she's got her powers now that is actually the reason why so it's <clears> like <throat> okay cool all right so they still exist and thingy rebuilt them you know whatever that, that yeah, yeah. I didn't have I didn't have necessarily yeah, problems with but, that. Again, even like with Morpheus, it's just like, well, okay. I, obviously, I didn't play the the games, but I know that apparently I think Morpheus died in the original. Yeah, the game, real Morpheus died. So this so, one's okay, like, uh, yeah. But I just didn't I just didn't see the need for like. Well, why do we? You know, like, yeah. It could have just you could have just had a completely brand new character. It didn't even need to be like Morpheus related. Morpheus, for, yeah. for, Morpheus for that character to be in it. It was yeah. just. It was just kind of like, well, you just throwing him in there just for like the name Morpheus. The name, else. Yeah. Just like, you know. Agreed. Agreed. But, you know, Lee, yeah. what did you think? Uh, again, pretty much the same. Um, you know, I was really hopeful that, you know, this was going to be good because I did enjoy the first three movies. Like I say, the, actions, the action scenes in all of those three movies were just memorable. You know, they just stood out. Mm-hmm. It was uh, really entertaining. And I was hoping that this would be the same. Um, obviously, going on the trailer... Um, it was a really good trailer. It got me really excited for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's it. I think the trailer was just so good that mm. it did hype me up for it. And um, and then I sort of came out disappointed. Um, mm. I thought the new characters, um, the, you know, they did a great job. I don't think it, um, you know. Yeah. There was a lot of um, cast from Sense8, which is the Wachowski's, Wachowski's uh, show on Netflix, which if you haven't seen it, very good, go see it. But yeah, they used a lot of like the alumni from that series because they're used to using those actors. Yeah, I thought the cast was was really good, um, but yeah, story lacked, and the action scenes were awful. Really, I mean, the mm. um, yeah, like you say, there's nothing that really sticks out in my mind. That you know, uh, like you, I, I probably won't. I, I was thinking of seeing it. I'm not seeing it again. I was thinking of seeing it again just to, to maybe see if my opinion would change on a second mm-hmm. viewing. Um, but uh, yeah, like you, I don't. Th- I'm not in any rush to go and see it again, which I'm really <laughs> gutted. But I do want to see more Matrix. So if they another like you say we may with moving forward with new characters um you know don't go back to neo try and do something different with it mm-hmm. i think that would be because i do like the matrix world uh um, well, yeah yeah and well, so, we, yeah. well this is that's, that's a that's the that's the dollar question really isn't it because it's been like one of the biggest flops of the year yet warner brothers seem committed to make another because Anne Slanoff, the CEO of Warner Brothers, has turned around, addressed the numbers by being blaming it on COVID and their decision for doing streaming at the same time. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. you guys kind of did that yourselves. They want to, mm-hmm. I think, ideally, they're after IP, and that's really what it's about, IP. Mm-hmm. And 
who knows what the HBO numbers are compared to the um, cinema numbers because they haven't released those yet. I don't, I can't imagine them being that, you know, that high personally, but because of the strong word of mouth that it's bad. Yeah. But um, she seems to want a fifth one. Yet the Wachowskis, they seem to, well, Lana Wachowski or her, her uh, producer that produces all of her films, who's also one of her close mates, James McTeague, came out in an interview and said they have no plans for any further sequels. They mm. said they might do one, but mm. they're not in a rush, you know, meaning that this was all a bit of an experiment to them. I think they said what they really meant in the movie. I think Warner Brothers wanted a sequel, wanted to make a big IP because it's all about IP. And, um, that, you know, what better way to do it? Because it was kind of like, if you look at the news before, and we have talked about this on Zito's gang, they were going to do a Morpheus prequel with Michael B. Jordan. Mm-hmm. And they wanted Simon Kinberg of X-Men Dark Phoenix, right? A director of X-Men Dark Phoenix, writer of The Last Stand and X-Men Apocalypse to direct it. Yeah. And... Which one's the worst bullet we're going to dodge? <laughs> you know, I, I, sure it would have been a fresh take, but we wouldn't have got Keanu back. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying this film's great. Like, here's the thing: I, my personal opinion is, I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it for the exact mm-hmm. same reasons you guys said. Yeah. I mean, for yeah. me, the biggest disappointment in it was the action. The action, mm-hmm. like when you look at the Matrix trilogy, it films action the way I, I'm a big action movie buff. And what's my biggest pet peeve with action movies, especially nowadays, they look shit. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They all look shit. And what really bothers me is that they had the John Wick directors quit their day jobs, delay John Wick to work on this. Mm-hmm. You know, Chad, Trinity's husband? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, Chad. That's really that's that's actual Chad. Um, yeah. What's his name? What's his surname? I can't. I don't that's know the director of John Wick. Yeah. He's the director of John Wick. He's the director of John Wick. It's because rah. they give Keanu these weird force field powers instead of actually freaking fighting. But yeah, it's like anyway. It's like, yeah, Neil, what did you think? Yeah. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll meet Neil halfway. No, I mean, sure, but I I did mm-hmm. I didn't hate it, but I didn't. I didn't love it. I was like, yeah. what, what are they doing? But, I mean, look, I thoroughly I thoroughly enjoyed it because I went into the film with zero expectations. I didn't go in expecting it to be even yeah. remotely as good as any of the anything matrix related I had seen or played before. I went in with this I was like, okay, I've seen the trailer. Let me watch the film. And I went in there and I I knew nothing. I didn't know what the storyline was going to be. I didn't know like how they were going to interpret oh, Morpheus being back. And I watched it and there was there were things where I was like, okay, uh, yeah, that's a bit clunky. Mm, I might have gone differently there. But on the whole, I enjoyed it. I liked the fact that they, they were like, okay, the first Matrix trilogy, the trilogy was a video game, even though they only focused on Matrix one, the film. And it <laughs> focused on the first. 
I liked the fact that they made it that they was like, oh, they made it a video game. Yeah, I yeah. liked the fact that to me, one thing that they did was they were like, it was sort of like it was made for people who've already watched the other Matrix films. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't like, okay, you know, even though this was like the next iteration, right, of the Matrix that they told you about in the last Matrix films, mm-hmm. they told you, they were like, oh, when he meets the architect, yeah, this no, is volume six. Yeah, he's like, this is volume six. And then at the end of, this, of uh, Matrix Revolutions, when they got a the little rainbow and all of that, and the Oracle, the architect, and the little girl are talking, and they mm-hmm. said, you know, and she's like, oh, you know, is Neo coming back? Will I see Neo again? And she's like, mm, it could, it's possible, you know. Mm. I, I, my interpretation of why Smith was back was because in order to get rid of Smith, the deal that Neo makes is I'll get him back into the Matrix. Mm. And in order to get him back into the Matrix, he has to let ne- uh, Smith, you know, yeah right so that's how he put that's how he gets smith back in but it's because obviously neo was the one it's sort of like a part of neo becomes a part of smith so in them resurrecting neo they've resurrected they inadvertently resurrected smith Mm -hmm. okay yeah um what was the weird oracle power where she's able to look through this portal now and transfer her consciousness and all this bullshit I don't understand that. I don't even know where the Oracle is now. No, no, well, no, no she's she's in the the back. Sati's the new Oracle. So <laughs> the new Asian from the from No, the... I know who she is. I yeah. know that, but where mm. is she? Is she in the real world or the Matrix? It's like she's in this weird. No, she's in the Matrix. She's in the Matrix. Isolation yeah, period. In the Matrix. But then, yeah, but but she's she's just like in her own area. Do you know what I mean? It's just like she had. Well, don't weird... forget the way that. She had that weird, like, well that they were all looking into and stuff like that. So where the hell's that yeah. come from now? Well, she could be anywhere. It's I, I don't know, man. but remember... If you open the right door where the key master goes through, you could go anywhere. You could be in Tim. She had no keys. Place. She had no keys. <laughs> she don't need keys. Yeah, she's but she's even though she had no keys... <laughs> <laughs> How many Oracle people? couldn't go no, where she wanted in the first three Matrix. What's that? In, the, in this Matrix film, nobody used keys, and they were bouncing through back doors like nothing. I was going through mirrors and all sorts. It was yeah. yeah. Just... But at, at the beginning, when um, Bugs runs into like the agents, when she's like, "Oh, she's watching the rerun of the first Matrix, and it starts going differently." When she's like, "Oh, you know, like winding up going through a door." She's like, had you know, she's stunned to know that that could happen, but it's still a thing. Well, there is no key master now, so all them, all them doors are potentially unlocked and opened, or hmm. some of them are at least potentially unlocked and opened. Seti, who's been in the previous Matrix, previous version of the Matrix, and now in the new version of the Matrix, right? Well, technically, she ain't really causing any problems. She was, and and she was sitting there with the Oracle. So maybe she learned a thing or two. Maybe the Oracle was like, "Here, I'm gonna show you a little, a little backyard that you could come to and chill." And you see this little, this little fountain. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, this it. version of the Matrix isn't the same version as yeah. the last one because the last version of the Matrix was created and mm-hmm. Neo wasn't around unless they captured him at that point, and it's all been the same version since 
mm-hmm. incarnation. But if you redo the Matrix, surely you need someone to create all these doors and openings. They don't just make mm-hmm. them as part of the program. I think anyway. it is the same. I think <laughs> it is the same version because at the end of uh, Revolutions, you know when they go up in the sky and the, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. look of the film is. Well, it's kind of similar to this film. It's like actually, yeah, that's true. End, the the color palette end, of the even end. even at the end of the movie, um, it loses the green tint completely because the mm-hmm. whole point of the green tint was it was supposed to reflect um, the, how the programming codes used yeah. to come up on. Yeah. and it makes sense because obviously the oracle. Yeah, yeah. Whereas nowadays, that kind of grown up from yeah. that point. But nowadays, we could talk about this for ages. This should have been a whole separate podcast. It is what it is. (laughs) It's been gone. Who knows? Um, Has anyone watched The King's Man? Yes. Yes, I have. What did you think? I gave it a solid uh, 8 out of 10, actually. Okay, cool. So how did it compare to the first two? It is very different from the first. Because the way you're presented to the character, the, the dynamic is is the same. You have mm-hmm. an older gentleman. I, like I'm trying. I'm this one. I'm actually trying not to spoil. Yeah. So you have an older gentleman and you have a younger, uh, a younger gentleman, and obviously it's that younger gentleman kind of being introduced to that world. Mm-hmm. But the way that they deal with that dynamic and the way that they, because. You know, essentially, there was there was no there was no roadman back then. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but the way that they deal with that dynamic and the fact that they actually—I don't know if it was inadvertently. I hope it wasn't, but they actually do things that harken back to the first um, Kingsman movie. Okay, but I know it's 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 enjoyable, and there was there's some. He- Hella surprise! There was a hella surprise in that movie, and I was like, "I like it." <laughs> because right. when it happened initially, I was like, "Oh!" When it, when the surprise happens, I was like, "This is a dream. This <laughs> hasn't had. This hasn't happened the way I think it is, and I'm about to see how it really happened." Or this is this, and they were and they they were like, "No." Nope. What you saw happened, and I was like, "Now that's a surprise." I am okay. enjoying myself. <laughs> Interesting. All right, all right. We'll have to check that one. Mm. Um, Boxing Day or something like that. So it's, it's quite yeah, a recent yeah. thing. Um, okay, so let's move on to the uh, streaming services. So we had a few on Netflix, and the first one that came out was um, was it Unforgivable? Sandra Bullock. Mm. Yeah. Um, Unforgivable waste of my time. Um, <laughs> just. Poor movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's just it's just poor. I mean, she's trying there's to nothing, nothing, just the characters just not likable. The character's a bitch. Um <laughs> and I don't feel sorry for her. And it's yeah, it's just kind of a bit lazy. Uh, <laughs> the way yeah, you did that, tell she's a it. bitch. <laughs> Good, the way you did that, he's like, oh, to make her tell she's a bitch. I mean, like it's... you see something bad happen to her, and you were like, you deserve that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's just like you're you're an idiot. So, I mean, there's there's kind of a twist to the end, but you know, there's obviously more to it, and it, yeah, you know, the way you, it plays yeah, out, you kind of you know you know that there's a twist coming. You know, from you know the whole the whole point of the story is okay. Well, yeah, she's gone to prison, but you kind of know that something has happened. You know, she doesn't 
know, yeah, otherwise, if she did something and went um, to prison, it's not a story. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, but she never, she, never, um, she never denies, you know, what, what she's done. So you kind of yeah. figure there's going to be some sort of twist at the end, yeah. but it's just kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, no, exactly. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's probably not worth your time. Anybody else watched it? Mm-mm. Yeah, don't bother. Okay, so what else do we have? We had uh, The Power of the Dog. Um, Western movie starring Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, based on a uh, best-selling novel. Um, oh, I was really bored. Really bored. <laughs> really? Okay, I've I've not seen it, but I've heard. Very yeah, good things. I, I've been I've been meaning to check it out. It takes a long time to go nowhere, and okay. <laughs> it's it, look. Don't get me wrong; his performance in it is fantastic. So every scene he's in, he is gripping, and that's what keeps your attention. Um, I think that, again, it's a really obvious story, you know, sort of about of a person who is, um, he's brass and he's arrogant, you know, he's, he wants to be the boss. He wants to be taken seriously, but then he keeps talking about this, um, buckaro person that, you know, kind of raised them and taught him everything he knew. And he basically, you know, it's, you fight. Um, do you guys want spoilers? I don't know. So, yeah, I'm probably not watching it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, basically, I'm, I'm, I'm you, you basically you realize that he's um, um, uh, that he's gay, and obviously at that time it wasn't really a thing, so he's kind of suppressed that. Um, his brother um, <coughs> is they just there's just no relationship there. It's just so weird. And then his brother gets married. He doesn't like that. Um, he thinks she's a gold digger and then she has a son who he develops a relationship with and you're not sure if it's sort of like a father-son relationship or if it's like he's attracted to him and then um, spoilers it turns out that the son ends up killing him and it's just a really un you know just a really kind of pathetic way just like really unassuming just like suddenly you know they're talking they have a moment he gets sick and then the scene cuts to him in a coffin it's like really uh, all that for that payoff. It's just like, mm, so I know there's been a lot of Oscar buzz for it and stuff like that. I, I get it from an artistic point of view in terms of how well it was directed, the sets and all that kind of stuff, but that's the story and just the editing, just nah, not for me. It's just really, really disappointing. Um, but I can understand him being up for awards. He was great with what he was given. Um, can I ask you your guy's opinion mm-hmm. as an actress? what you think of Kirsten Dunst. Because she's in this. And I think she's horrible. As and, an actress. And I think, I try to think of all the movies she's been in. I'm like, do I, can I think of her performance I actually rate her? Because she's like the weakest link in that Rami trilogy, by far. And I'm just not, like... I'm not actually, yeah, I've not actually seen a lot of her films, to be fair. Kirsten Dunst. She had like one good episode of um, Fargo, which she was in. But oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I guess it's really right. Interview with the vampire. She was... Interview with yeah. the vampire. She slam. She slam dunks it. Come on, She was like fourteen at the time. Yeah, she was, and she won. The, she wasn't she nominated or <laughs> did too early? Yeah, that's yeah. That's that's, that's yeah, Apart from like apart from Spider Man, yeah. that's the only thing off the top of my head I can think of. Which yeah, yeah I, I, Jumanji I, as well. I mean, look, she was a talented child actress. She could hold her own in those films. Um, in a lot of the stuff that she was given, 
in the Rami trilogy, yeah, the first one, she was fine. She played the role well in that one. But as each episode went on, it kind of, you know, she kind of took liberties as an actress <laughs> with the role because in the second one, she, she didn't even bother looking the part. And then in the third one, well, the third one, she's just like terrible in, you know, she's mm-hmm. not even trying kind of like the, um, Jennifer Lawrence effect with the X-Men movies. You try really hard on the first one, and then as they go on, you care less and less. Um, but the thing is with Kirsten Dunks, she she picks roles in big dramas and stuff, and she's serviceable, but she hasn't done anything since she's been a child actress that has blown, you know, blown the doors off and really you know what I mean, really got the roles. Uh, respect that, to MTV yeah. Movie Award winner for Best Kiss 2003. So, so yeah. There we go. Uh, anyway, that was just kind of like off point. So okay, so that was um that. Uh, then we had uh, don't look up. Um, wow, which I enjoyed is, that a lot. <laughs> yeah. So don't look up is um it was kind of kind of a big big deal for for Netflix in terms of the star power it has alone. Um, it's. I don't know what their salaries were and how much they kind of popped into this. Cause obviously you had red notice where you had Dwayne Johnson, Gal Gadot and Ryan Reynolds. But uh, this year, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Kate Blanchett, I Chamelay, Mel Streep, mm-hmm. uh, cameo from Chris Evans, um, mm-hmm. Mark Rylance, Jonah Hill, you know, just mm-hmm. a huge, huge cost. I, I personally, I reckon that, a lot of them probably were comfortable with lowering their fees. I think so. I, I reckon so. they they were sent the script, and you know Adam McKay, you know he's chummy with a lot of them. I reckon that they got the script, they knew it was him doing it, and he was like, "Look, you know, you yeah, lost a I lot mean, of look, money. Adam McKay. You know he he's he's very very talented. Um, he's uh. If we, you know, obviously as a, as a producer and a director, mm. but um, in terms of a director, mm. um, let me just have a look. So obviously he did Vice, uh, The Big Short. You know, these are movies which are Oscar contenders, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. Mm. Um, but, you know, he's, he's had his other comedies. You know, he's had uh, Step Brothers, Anchorman, mm. Anchorman 2 and stuff like that. So, you know, he is, uh, you know, he is an around comedy. This is a, this is a, drama slash comedy it's not yeah. an out and out comedy uh type of movie um it's very much seems like um leonardo DiCaprio is really big on uh environmental issues you know and he, and he mm-hmm. talks about this and it seems like this was just a vehicle for him to say look i try and tell people all the time that the world is going to die nobody's mm-hmm. listening to me paying attention so let's do it via this and make it more dramatic as an asteroid because uh, it's just going to be more impactful. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I kind of see it as that. Um, and it's it, it, it's not essentially a, cl- a clever movie it's in terms of his, like, his writing, his comedy. I thought Jonah Hill was just kind of being Jonah Hill, but it, his tone didn't seem to match the rest of the movie. He He was very separate from it. Um, Meryl Streep was quite fun, you know. She just seemed to be playing like Trump. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a strange movie. I enjoyed it, but it didn't have like laugh out loud moments. It didn't have really dramatic moments. Again, it just kind of kind of went through its paces, but it was enjoyable. Um, but there was no major highlights for me on it. So, what what did you guys think then? Don't look up, Sasha. You said you really enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't hate it. I didn't. Yeah, it was fine. <clears throat> I, I I don't know, man. It wasn't like movie of the year or anything, mm-hmm. but you know what I mean. I it, it did what it said on the tin for me, so you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I can't really. It was a solid four out of five or three and a okay. half out of five, I would say. But you know what I mean, like yeah, I okay. I, I didn't really think about tone and stuff because I was just watching it. I guess I kind of just watching it in the background. It's on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't even watching <laughs> it in the background. I was yeah, just watching it. So okay. Yeah. Neil, what do you think? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I thought okay. I thought but like, oh, Jonah Hill was like um like he wasn't really in the same movie. I thought he absolutely was. He was he was Donald <laughs> Trump's son to a T. <laughs> to a T, right? And I felt like to me, watching that film, I understand what you saying about you know DiCaprio be having the whole kind of he, he's very very much a you know he's about the environment he wants to save the planet, but I honestly like maybe 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 it's the 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 the, the, the system, but I thought the film was an analogy for COVID. <laughs> I thought if you re- if you replace the word comet with COVID, I was <laughs> looking at the same movie. <laughs> okay, because yeah. it felt like yeah. for me. The way it nailed today, mm-hmm. it nailed the, our society, our world today, where people don't listen to the actual scientists, the actual people yeah, the who know what the, the data yeah. and the people who know what they're talking about. We don't listen to them. We listen mm-hmm. to, you know, Facebook. celebrities and politicians <laughs> and people who generally don't give a fuck about you. You know, people who are like, oh, well, look, if the world blows up, look, I know I'm on that rocket ship going to another planet, mm-hmm. but I, I hope you're okay, <laughs> you know. And it just, in there were so many moments where I was like, you're nailing present day. Oh, wow. Yeah. Even like. And I love the like, Apple. I love that I saw the Apple Tesla kind of yeah. vibe you got in terms of the company yeah. and stuff like that. Like life yeah. with two eyes. And yeah, like Mark Rylance, I'm like, if his ass is not listed as best supporting actor when them Oscars come up, you, you like Oscar people, you need to, you need to, you need to wrap it up with with the, the people you got on your voting panel. You need to wrap it up, send them boys out like old Yeller, take them to the back of the farm. You got the rifle, you know what to do. <laughs> yeah, Mark Rylance. Mark Rylance. Um, so Mark Rylance is just yeah. phenomenal. Whatever he does, uh, Lee, have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it yet. No, I was saying earlier, it's um, it seems to be the the month of sort of Christmas movies and series, uh, Netflix mm-hmm. series. It's all come out, so I've been caught up watching all of those. So I've not really seen much of the new releases yet. Okay, Alex, what was your thoughts? Uh, yeah, kind of in the middle, really. I I I, I liked it. Um, I thought, yeah, totally agree with Neil. It sort of totally nailed like society today. And you're watching it thinking, yeah, this is exactly like what would happen. But you know, again, we are mm-hmm. we're going spoilers, kind of, aren't we? Well, actually, I don't want to go too far because he hasn't seen it. But yeah, I just thought just the way that each, you know, like the government acts, like the Mark Rylance character acts, is just how you imagine that if this actually happened in real life, this is exactly how things would play out. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only thing I think for me that it, I just felt like it just dragged on a little bit too long. 
it was like mm-hmm. two and a half hours or whatever, or almost two and a half hours, and it just towards the end, it just seemed like I'm, I'm sure this you could have probably like cracked it down to like two hours, and mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was like yeah. as long as it was. But, uh, yeah. but other than that, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. The funny, I think the funny part say... was actually the bit where Jennifer Lawrence's character keeps reverting back to the fact that the general charged her for the nuts and the drinks. Um, yes, she was my spirit animal in that moment because she yeah. was, like every moment she kept going back to it, and I was like, Yes, I feel that. I feel but, but why would he do that? Why would he do fun, that? It's like you know, it made sense earlier, but then, like you, like you say, she even like calls back to it like far later in the movie, like Timothy Chalamet, and it's just kind of like, yeah. okay, she's she's still got this. Really, she can't this, let it go. Still, still can't <laughs> let it go. Mm. And one uh, thing I'll okay. say is, Lee, uh, you haven't seen it, but I'm hoping that you will see it. There's a cameo in it. I mean, technically, it's a little longer than a cameo, but there's some there's a, there's a surprise in the movie, and my gosh. Is is it is the person not great? Is the person not brilliant? It's like it's what you wish would happen when you think of a lot of people and you think, what would happen if this person did an interview and then somebody just left their mic on and just <laughs> let them talk? And I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're doing a brilliant job right now. <laughs> uh Right, so what other films came out of this? Uh, we had 8-Bit Christmas. Um, really enjoyable movie. Um, I don't think it's been seen a lot. It, it, it did come out on Sky quite quickly. Um, I think it was on some streaming services. Um, but Neil Patrick Harris basically telling his uh, daughter the time when his kid, when Nintendo came out and him and his friends wanting to play Nintendo, trying to get a Nintendo. <laughs> um, and movie spoke to me. Uh, a lot of things spoke to me about that, about how I felt about the system and stuff when it came out. And it was just a really enjoyable kids movie. Um, you know, it's really f- fun performances from the youngsters uh, and just really heartwarming bit at the end, you know, just, you know, where it's about family relationships and, and father and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I think it's one of these that everyone who's seen it has said how great it is. And it's a really nice, fresh Christmas movie. And I wouldn't be surprised if it makes sort of like a top 10 list in the future um you know in terms of christmas movies but um sasha you really enjoyed this as well right oh man th- th- this shit was dope <laughs> it was actual dope it's made my top 10 of the year yeah. it has to it has to go in because you know what there were so many instances that reminded me of shit when i was at school mm-hmm. like growing up as a kid in the 80s mm-hmm. and like um like i remember going to the summer fair at elm grove i remember marvin bringing his nes and charging people to play it and, and charging people to play it at the summer right. fair. And it was a thing. And then I was just, and he did the same thing like years later with his mega drive. He did it all the time. Like he'd have the, and, and like the kids that didn't have the game console at home or mm-hmm. had a different system at home would go and line up and like pay him mm-hmm. like a quid and like play. <laughs> and like something like that happens in this movie and it just brought back that memory of Summer Fair at fucking Elm Grove and shit. And I, I know you three went Elm Grove, Alex, Lee, Ken. Yeah. And I was yeah. just like, oh, my God, that totally did happen. Like, you know what I mean? And then yeah. it just reminded me of stuff like when you were a kid and you'd go to Debenhams in Harrow and, and line up to play. Yeah. 
yeah, line up to play um, the Super Nintendo when the Super <laughs> yeah. Nintendo came out, and they had they had the console. All the, they don't do that shit no more. No, but do you know what I mean? No. Like, like it was like this big like event kind of thing. Now they don't do that in this movie. They do something completely different, but more in line with the Marvin thing. Yeah, and the execution yeah. was gold, man. And I was just like, oh man, that totally would have happened in the eighties. Yeah, and, and the desperation and, of these kids yeah. is just is just so is just so funny. And some really great performances. Uh, Winslow uh, Fegley, who's like the main the main boy in it um yeah. you know just and yeah just just really great and it kind of crosses over a little bit sort of like um um instead of like like how not kind of how i met your mother but you know boy meets world kind of thing you know going to get the voiceover yeah. stuff happening is kind of you know where it's telling the story um yeah. and yeah just delightful has anyone else seen it yeah I, yeah i actually watched it what did you think chatting about it it was also like yeah i really i really liked it, even though um, I was never an Nintendo guy. I, I was a Sega Mega Drive guy, so <laughs> but I could appreciate the. Uh, yeah, I could really appreciate it. I like yeah, again, them both. Was, <laughs> just the um, again, just like li- little things, like you say, like you know, Neil Patrick Harris is doing the voiceover, and then you know he's talking about like riding his bike as a kid, and he's always like, "Oh, well, did you have your helmet on?" And so like suddenly, like you know, it yeah. cuts with you know, like the helmet he has to tell his, like, he can't know. not tell his daughter he didn't yeah, wear exactly, a helmet. You know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wear a in the eighties. It's like, was it a green one? It's like it, it turned out I can't remember what color it was to start with, but it, it changes to the color. That he, you know, she then says, "Yeah, things like that." It was just like, yeah, like really nice and uh, yeah, just a, a good you know, feel, feel good family <laughs> film. And it's just like, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. Oh, it's really, it's really kid friendly. So uh, anybody out there that if you haven't seen it yet, you know, sit your kids down, get them to watch it. Um, and you know, if you're our age, you'll definitely, uh, <laughs> definitely reminisce with Neil Patrick <laughs> character. Um, right. So what else did we have? We also had, um, this was like a sky exclusive, like a sky movie, last train to Christmas, Michael Sheen. Um, I watched that. It was, uh, basically he is, um, basically it's like, di- like disco nightclub owner. He gets onto his train and he kind of almost has like a, a Christmas Carol kind of thing. It's kind of he he goes back into the past. He kind of goes into the future, learns about his life, kind of thing. Um, it's quite a sweet movie. Um, Michael Sheen is quite good in it. Um, he's basically like Peter Stringfellow <laughs> on a train. And um, but yeah, it, it's okay. It was it was just it was kind of serviceable. Just kind of sit back, and watch a Christmas movie. Um, what else do we have? So um, some of the stuff that you guys mentioned. So uh, Alex, you watched Wrath of Man because it came out on Amazon. Uh, yes, it was on Amazon. I, I missed it when it came around on the cinema, um, for whatever reason. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it for what it was, you know, it's all action movie. I mean, it's Guy Ritchie, but it didn't feel sort of like typical Guy Ritchie sort of style. Mm. But, um, you know, I don't mind a bit of Jason Statham every now and again. And, uh, yeah, yeah I thought yeah. it was uh, enjoyable enough for what it was, yeah. It was a fine watch. It did feel like, yeah, it's a fine watch, but it did feel like it was more, instead of being directed by Guy Ritchie, it's kind of produced by Guy Ritchie. Yeah. It's like yeah. he had his little first. Yeah, it, did, yeah, it didn't sort of have his sort of like visual flair that he yeah. would normally sort of have or anything. Yeah. It was just a point and shoot fine. job for him. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. yeah. Yeah, um, I saw I saw that as well. I didn't feel the same as you guys because of what you just said there. Mm-hmm. You understand this was coming off the gentleman, yeah, which was my number one film of last year. And yeah, I fucking yeah. love that film. That was kind of like a return to form from Guy Ritchie. Yeah, it made me forgive him for like doing that Aladdin movie and that King <laughs> Arthur movie and that it was it was it was that good. So I'm hearing Statham and fucking him team up. I was hyped for this movie. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I thought we were going to get another, another, uh, the gentleman. And then I watched it. I was like, 
what this Not is, is Claire Kasoff, <laughs> Jason Statham has go- been given a script where it's another generic fucking Statham movie mm-hmm. and has got his body a bit on the side job because he's probably not doing anything at the time because he saw him in an interview saying how much he missed filming Snatch. So, like, yeah, yeah. we've got to do a movie together. And it just seemed <laughs> like, like Ken said, he just let his first AD direct the whole damn mm-hmm. thing while he was, like, probably having a few fags with Statham off camera yeah. and just not giving a shit and just getting yeah. made. And um, I just felt none of his stampers are directors on it, on it at all. Um, and I just felt, yeah, this is a point. This it was a lazy, lazy movie. I just thought, mm-hmm. I thought it was, even if it wasn't Statham and him, I don't think, I don't think that would have changed how I felt about the movie because it yeah. was just a generic kind of. Yeah, it's just a run-of-the-mill kind of action. Run-of-the-mill yeah, kind yeah, of 2021 20, film. Of, like, <laughs> movies. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not big on the Fast and Furious franchise, so I never watched um, what was yeah. Hobbs and Shaw and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's been a while since I've seen Statham in anything. So yeah, that, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know what? I'm not really used to seeing him do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. For, yeah. for a fair yeah. while. So it was just kind of like, okay, you know. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, like I say, you know, it didn't blow me away. It was nothing, nothing, no, nothing spectacular. Mm. But it was just kind of like, okay, so you know, sit back and chill on a Saturday afternoon or whatever kind of thing. I also watched the Green. Yeah, I also watched the Green Knight. Um, Mm. Okay. I I didn't feel it. Uh, There's loads of people saying it's like film of the year, amazing. I don't know if I just didn't get it, but um, I was really disappointed. Considering what the reviews were saying about it, um, has anybody else seen Green Knight? No, it's on uh, my list. I, I I actually really wanted to see it, but um, okay. <laughs> you know, how do you feel about it? I, I agree with you, Ken. I mean, it was genuinely. It was like I, I watched it, and the whole time I was watching it, I was just like, "Why?" My my supposed my supposed to be following. Like, is, is, am I not following the movie? Is is, yeah. is everyone else seeing? Like, there's one bit in the movie, and I'm like, there's one bit in the movie, and all I'm gonna say, Ken's gonna know what I mean, right? Is my man when he's holding the sash in that strong grip, right? Mm. And in my mind, I was like, I understood why it happened, but at the same time, I was like, why is it happening? What yeah? What what is this doing to the film? What is this doing to the to progress the story? Other than what I already know. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. It was just um, it, it, like there was certain yeah, problems. It's, it's not yeah. an action movie. It's not a Lord of the Rings type movie. It's a weird, trippy, arty movie that for me just didn't work. But yeah, that's that's me. Um. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, Infinite on Amazon. A bit of um, Wahlberg. Mark Mark. Mark, Mark. Mark. Uh, anybody yeah, see I'll... it other than Alex? Yeah. yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> so give me your thoughts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think um, Mark Wahlberg probably wasn't well cast for this movie. Um, I like the story. Is he um, ever? No, I just thought they, 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 it had potential. The storyline, like I was talking to Alex earlier, is, yeah, the, the storyline was was really good, and I think they could have done a lot more with it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Mark Wahlberg just didn't suit that sort of genre, kind of like sci-fi. It's, yeah, 
I don't know. Yeah, he, he wasn't a good fit for me. Other than mm. that, though, um, I did enjoy it. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was okay overall. Yeah, it was Alex- serviceable. Yeah, I'll go no. Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Well, I was gonna say it was serviceable, but in my mind, I'm like, I understand why this was on Amazon Prime and not in the cinema. <laughs> right, okay. right. I and I, I, you know, I, I try very hard to not call a film, you know, shit. And you know, I mean, like, you, you got you got earn that the designation, you know. But and I don't actually think, and I'm smart. Mm-hmm. It was like you had the right actors in the film, but some of them were playing the wrong roles. Okay. So, like, there's a character in the film who's in the beginning of the film, and I'm like, you should have been Mark Wahlberg. Wahlberg's role. I was like, no, you should have been the dude. I was like, we should have been following you for the course of this movie. But right. Wahlberg, dude, no. like, if you, if you could have... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd have yeah. Maui on the money. That's it. Yeah, I agree. If you would have swapped those two characters around, it would have worked probably better, a lot better. Interesting. like another Mark Wahlberg film that's coming out soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, had some, had some interesting ideas. It's a bit, I, I kind of, you know, it's got sort of Highlander vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, gave me a bit of sort of uh, the old guard off Netflix with yeah. Charlie mm-hmm. Theron sort of thing, that that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, so I, I like the sort of concepts and stuff. It's, you know, basically, you know, people remembering their past lives and stuff. Um, but yeah, I just thought execution-wise, it just kind of didn't work. Okay. I mean, they, they sort of threw in a bit of, mystical sort of supernatural powers to one of the characters towards the end which I didn't quite understand yeah it wasn't necessary I think I think, I think it, it was talked about earlier in the film and it kind of popped up but it didn't they didn't really sort of explain like how, how and why um, it sort of you know was supposed to happen so yeah it was just like whatever again throw it on in the background whatever, but I didn't pay too much attention Sasha yeah no big no for me that's the <laughs> short version <laughs> that is a real short version <laughs> Everything I hated in a in a modern day like action kind of movie is on display in this film. There's nothing. There's nothing in it for me. I was just like, mm-hmm. shit CGI check, half <laughs> half really craps, choppy camera work check. Um, yeah, no man, uh, no, <laughs> no, not not my thing. Not my thing. Hopefully, Uncharted with Mark Wahlberg will be the movie of the year. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully, I can hope. Yeah. Not will be it. All right. So, okay, we'll move on. Um, what else did we have? So, uh, I watched The Guilty um, on Netflix. Oh, yeah, I've been meaning to watch that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, well, maybe I, I won't. Know. It was, <laughs> again, it, it was, was a really. Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal. So it's a really obvious story, but it's, it was very much a situation movie. So it's all kind of in one place, like like two rooms. Is it, is it is it like just him on the phone the whole time? A bit like I mean, I'm not pretty much. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. I think, yeah, it, yeah, he's pretty much him on the phone the whole time, or interacting with a couple of characters around him. But right. he's in that kind of um, the nine one one call center the whole yeah. time. So you don't you don't sort of see what's going on on the other no. side of the calls. It's no, no, you got to visualize like what, what he's saying. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, as a performance from him, great. Can't fault it. You know, really, really strong. I didn't like his character, so I, well, the way he said and did things frustrated me. 
because it's like, why are you talking to that person in that way? Why are you acting that way? That's kind of ridiculous. And it seems to be doing that to kind of draw the story out longer. And it's like, well, look, if you weren't such a dick, then you could have got here quicker. So it, it didn't give enough of a reason to why he was acting that way. Um, is he just a dick or, you know, what's the reason for it? Here's some reasons maybe why. Didn't quite agree with it. Didn't didn't really get it. So there's a lot about it that didn't quite work. But, you know, him as a performance was, it was fine. Um, you know, if you want something that's a great situational movie, you want something like Phone Booth. Which is fantastic, yeah. you know. So, you know, this is kind of the vibes is going for. It's probably very low budget in terms of what it costs to make. Uh, probably filmed it in a few a few weeks, um, but um, it was yeah. Again, it was it's kind of a filler, but it is worth seeing for his performance and just the way they've kind of built the movie. And I suppose it all depends on the person how much you can view and imagine what's happening um, right. to yeah, okay. to what you build up in your head. So it depends on your own imagination about maybe how you might think or feel this movie goes. But you know, like you say, you only really see him um, on the calls and the way that he's describing the, the scenes and, and, the, and the calls that are going on, the, the picture in your mind, you, you can obviously, you can see what's going on out there really in, in your own head. Um, and I thought that was done really well. But you do yeah. kind of find at the end, right at the end, isn't it? you kind of, you, know, you do find out why he's being such a dick throughout the whole whole thing because he's kind of like pissed off at himself really. It's, yeah. It's, well, the whole thing is just, well, again, don't want to spoil it for anyone, but yeah, what what's happened to him and, and um, it's not good. So that's kind of why he's, uh, he's, he's like the way he is throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts on The Guilty? I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really well made, really well shot. And I thought it was um, a really good small film, to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. Then when I saw who directed it, I was kind of surprised that it wasn't bigger than it actually was. Because mm -hmm. um, I think it was Anton Fruqua mm -hmm. who did, mm -hmm. uh, what's uh, it? Yeah, I think you're right, actually, yeah. Yeah, who did Training Day and stuff. So I was like, mm, okay, cool. Um, but no, I, I I actually thoroughly enjoyed it, to be quite honest. Um, mm -hmm. It's not like my favourite. It's not in my top ten. It's not like it's not um, worst film of the year. I, I just thought it was a well-put-together um, film, really, and the kind of thing I'd expect. If it wasn't him, if that was somebody's first movie, I would have been blown away. Yeah. Does that make sense? I would have yeah, been, yeah. I, I would have been like, oh my god, this is really, really good. This is a mm -hmm. low budget film. It had me, it had me from start to finish. Um, or even someone's second movie, mm -hmm. I would have felt the same way. But because it was that director, I was just like, wow, okay, why did you? All right, fair enough, cool, mm -hmm. cool. But um, felt yeah, very, felt oh. very much like a COVID movie. You know, like yeah, totally. We, we want to film in an isolated set and just kind of get on with it. There's some really great voice talent out there on the movie as well. You got Ethan Hawke in it, Paul Dano, Peter Sarsgaard, um, Bill Burr. So there's quite a few recognizable voices in the movie and stuff like mm. that. So you know, it's got some star power from that point of view. You just don't see him. Um, okay, so let's let's see what else we've got. So uh, I watched uh, Reminiscence, um, Hugh Jackman oh, and Rebecca Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah the I have to reminisce about this the better so <laughs> i am going to quickly say this is a quite self-indulgent movie it's trying to be bigger than what it is it's trying to be smarter than what it is 
um it's it's a bit messy it's yeah it just didn't do anything for me it just it's quite a poor movie it'd probably be in my bottom 10 10 of the year just it was really poor and i i just remember at the time thinking oh it's got some quite star power in it you know in terms of huge why isn't this doing better than what it is it's because of the movie uh nothing else so uh, <laughs> reminiscence <laughs> not not no. seen it. No, I was, I was, I've not seen it. I was interested because in I think is it. I don't know. Lisa Joy did she write it or produce it? I think um, she's um, Christopher Nolan's brother's partner. I think who they they do Westworld together. So I was quite mm. interested to check it out, but uh, okay. I know it hadn't done very well. So that's why I haven't checked it out yet. Yeah, given, your, tomorrow, given what you just said. I probably won't check it out now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's shit, man. It's it's. Dog shit. <laughs> I mean, look, it, it made fifteen point five million at the US box office. That's yeah. that's kind of what it says about that. Um, but yeah, okay. So then, what else did we have? Um, I watched the card counter. Um, I liked it, and but also found it a little bit frustrating because I found it um, a little bit predictable. So some really great performances in it. Um, I think that. Uh, Oscar Isaac is great at it. Um, really shows some depth to his performances, and in, in terms of his his character, basically his character is someone who's gone to prison. Uh, he's learned card counting whilst in prison, so you kind of have a flashback to the story of why he's gone to prison, which is basically military based, and then um, obviously the present day. And um, he comes across the son of somebody he was in the army with, and he tries to guide him and help him because he's suffering. Um, within that person is Tyre Sheridan. So he's actually, he's got a great credit in terms of the writer. So the writer is um, uh, Paul Schrader, who directed it, and he's the writer of Taxi Driver. Um, so he's he's well-versed in terms of his movies. He wrote Taxi Driver. He wrote uh, American Gigolo. He did the screenplay for um, oh something else. It, yeah, he's, he's been right. He's done a lot of Scorsese stuff. So Scorsese produced this. Um, but obviously he hasn't done much directing. Um, so, you know, it comes with sort of like good pedigree from that point of view. Um, but yeah, I just felt it was a little, uh, yeah, just a little predictable uh, to where the movie was going to go. Um, however, it has a real chilling end scene, which basically it's um, two characters are coming together for like a resolute final resolution for the movie. And they kind of go off screen. And the kind of camera pans away and you just hear what's happening. Um, and that's really intense and really well done. That's a really powerful scene. So that was really, really good. So I would, I would definitely recommend it. I think it's definitely worth a watch. Um, I think I've expected it to be a little bit more of a bigger movie, but it is very more arty movie. It's very, um, very small in terms of its scope and people and stuff like that. So, um, however, the, the forced love interest in this, that doesn't work. And the way the movie ends with that love interest is so forced. And it has the most ridiculous end credits I've ever seen <clears> in like <throat> years. Um, so when you watch that movie, you guys will have to let me know what you think about the literally, just literally the credits. Uh, <laughs> the final scene, credits, and it's the most bizarre thing. And so, uh, yeah, very, very strange. Has anybody else seen it? Not yet, no. No? Okay, cool. Um, what else do we have? So, Encanto. Oh. Oh. I love that. Oh. Seen it this is a movie. No. It's on Disney Plus. It is. It is magical uh, in every sense of the word. I absolutely love this. 
Um, it is uh, Disney's, I think, your 60th animated feature. I think it comes yeah, up at the beginning. Number 60. <clears throat> yeah, number 60. Um, the the music is fantastic. It's got the lyrics by uh, Lin Manuel Miranda, uh, who can do no wrong um, when it comes to this stuff. And it's just a beautiful film. It's about family. It's about relationships. It's about trust. It's about finding your purpose. Um, it's it is just it's just fantastic. Um, I can't I can't say enough good things about it. It's just Disney on song. Um, there are probably three moments where I cried. Uh, just can just overwhelm me. Um, but yeah, um, Neil, what do you think of it? I genuinely wish I saw it in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That it was. This film is what I think. Um, what was Disney's film last year, Christmas? The one with Jamie Foxx. Had... So, was it Soul? Soul, yeah. Soul. This film is what Soul, what what people thought Soul was going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? The, the amount of effort and the kind of push that they gave towards Soul. Mm-hmm. And then the movie wasn't really what they kind of promoted it to be. Mm-hmm. Encanto is that. Encanto is that movie. In, in regards to Encanto, should have got a way bigger push than it got. Yeah, I totally agree. And you know, I, I you know, it might be pandemic related. I don't know whether they just decided it was going to be like a mm-hmm. Disney Plus thing to get people watching that over Christmas, you know, and stuff. But people who've watched it, families, I know they've said like since it's been on, they just keep having to put it on repeat, very much like Frozen mm-hmm. did. Um, it's you know basically it's um it's, it's Colombian. It's celebrating mm-hmm. uh, Colombia, the Colombian people, their life, uh, heritages. You know, just uh, all all about that. And I think the way they've done the characters is fantastic. Um, you know, they have mixed race families. You know, it's not like yeah. every Colombian looks the same or every Colombian's got the same skin tone. You know, they're all different. And you know, and it celebrates it so well. The color palette in it is fantastic. Um, and yeah, so I cannot say enough good things about this. So it may make my top 10 movies of the year. Um, and again, it's kind of a little bit like a musical, uh, in the sense of how the music drives the story, but yeah, it's, it's, it's more of a musical than say like rare and the last dragon, which is more of a traditional sort of like Disney movie. This has got a lot more music that drives it forward. So really, really well done. Yeah, I think soul was the Pixar one and rare. The last dragon was the Disney animation. Yeah. One. Correct. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and the other movie that I saw, which again everyone's kind of spoken about, I know Neil's spoken about it, Amory to go about In the Heights. Finally watched In the Heights. I'm applauding you, Ken, because you what finally watched it. I mean, this is why I say it's been a hell of a year for musicals, because you've had that, you've had West Side Story, you've had Tick Tick Boom, and I'm like, all three of these could make my top ten. Do you know what I mean? It, it, and it's just uh, it is fantastic. The 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 story is it's it's simple but the way it's delivered is fantastic the music is just gripping and it's um again Lim Manuel <laughs> the man's genius um in who's it's, in it he's in it yeah who's in it who's in it but it's very much a movie and a musical where again the language and the talk is sung a lot as opposed to just conversations happening um, but there is there is normal speech and conversations, which, you know, does drive it. But unlike sort of like 
a lot of like these musicals, you can really understand what they're saying. The conversation flows within the song. Um, you don't miss a beat. And there are some <coughs> great, great performances. Um, Anthony Ramos uh, was fantastic. Yeah. I'd love to see him in more stuff. And um, I think the big surprise with me was uh, Corey Hawkins, um, who plays Benny in it. Mm-hmm. He was brilliant. And, you know, I'm like, hang on, isn't this the guy who did like the 24 reboot like 10 years ago? And it's like, he still looks like he's like in his mid 20s. And I was just like, mm. he was brilliant in it. Um, his singing was fantastic. Um, really, really rate this movie. Uh, Neil, tell me about it. Tell me about it. My gosh. I mean, look, in the Heights, and this, this, in this year, in this year, we have had Queen, which wasn't everybody's cup of tea, but I love the franchise and I love the movie. We've had a Matrix film. We've had three, no, two uh, Marvel f- films. No, we had, had three. Yeah, we've had three Marvel films. This movie was the first movie to make my top 10 of the yeah, year. Four, Shang-Chi. I forgot about Shang-Chi. Yeah. Made my top 10 the day mm-hmm. I saw it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Like, outside of something oh, I, like I, a uh, West Side Story, <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah. I'm not really a musical guy. Mm-hmm. But... I went to watch this film, and my gosh, I became a musical guy mm-hmm. because this is, yeah. film is oh, it is epic! It is the way a lot of you guys Spider Man is how I feel <laughs> about In the Heights. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. I I would recommend this to everyone, and I would say even if you're not a musical fan, anything I don't like musicals, not really watching music. This is different. Um, it's you know if you if you enjoyed Hamilton you will definitely enjoy this. But yeah. I would say even if you didn't enjoy Hamilton because it can be a little bit of a hard listen, maybe a hard watch uh, because of what they go into. This is just so accessible, um, and yeah, just you know, just oh, I've got nothing good things to say about it. It's just the fantastic music, the characters, the story, mm-hmm. even even the surprises. I'm sorry, I'm gonna tell you about one of the surprises, right? Mark Antony. Turning up in this movie, <laughs> looking real different. <laughs> looking real different. I'm not going to say how, but looking real different. And Jimmy Smith's is in it, so you yeah. know you, you could sell it on that just by itself. Um, all right, so yeah, definitely go check out in the heights. That's probably going to make my top ten of the year. It's going to be a hard <laughs> top ten this year. It's going to be a difficult podcast that one. Um, especially to come up with a joint top 10 with all of us as well. Um, is there any other movies that you guys have seen um, in the last uh, in the last month that you kind of want to talk about at all? <laughs> Can I talk about one that I watched again? If, yeah, go on. The Harder They Fall. The Harder They Fall. Okay, tell me about it. It's ringing a bell. It's but... Idris Alba, Cowboys... Oh, yeah, that's on my to watch list. That's the Netflix yeah. one, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. I've heard really I'm, good things about this in terms of maybe even Oscar buzz. I mean, for me, the movie is <clears throat> it spoke to me on levels I didn't think it, I didn't think a movie could, let alone a movie about cowboys. Okay, 
it spoke to me. It spoke. It spoke to me. You saying Wild Wild West didn't? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that, that film is a a a, 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 a motion picture classic. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like the harder they fall, that movie. I mean, it's, the movie spoke to my parents. Wow. Okay. Right, it's generational. It speaks to. It spoke to generations, and wow! Oh, you like, sold me I'm, on that, so I'm gonna have to see that this weekend now. Mm. Um, any anything else from anybody else? Uh, Boy called Christmas. I saw that. Um, oh, there was that the Sky one. Yeah, yeah. That was so good. tell us about yeah. it. Good stuff. Um, much detail when we. Into it, but um, um, yeah, no, it's it good cast, great cast. Um, yeah, no, it's just an easy watch. It was, um, you know, it's about Christmas, um, which you know, when we did the Christmas top 10, you know, it's those sort of films yeah. that you know, it was about Christmas, um, and um, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. I'd, I'd recommend it's it quite a cast, actually. Yeah, Ma- Maggie Smith, Stephen Merchant, Kirsten Wiggs, uh, Michael Huseman. Uh, Joel Fry, Jim Broadbent, Toby Jones. Um, yeah, it's got quite a hell of a cast actually. So, um, what's what's the basic premise of it? Um, so, yeah, it's a boy. His name is Christmas. Yeah, or a wow. version, or, or a version of Christmas. Um, but you find out um, basically that the town that he's living in um, have lost the Christmas spirit, or they they don't call it a Christmas spirit, but everybody's down in the dumps and. Um, so he says, like, he sends everybody off to go and try and bring things back to their town to try and inspire people and, and everything like that. So uh, the boy's dad, the, the mum the mum isn't in the picture. She's, she, I think she died. Um, and so um, the, the dad says he's going off with his crew to go out and, and find something and, and bring, bring, bring something back. And um, he has this horrible aunt that comes and lives with him and, and she sort of pushes him out the house and he's like living outside or something like that. And um, so anyway, he decides to go off. Um, he finds, sorry, he finds uh, a map that um, of uh, his mum has knit him a hat and inside the hat he then finds a map to this elf town. And um, so he then travels um, with his um his uh, his friend friendly mouse, uh, who's voiced by Stephen Merchant, uh, and they have a really good relationship. And they anyway they travel, and um, yeah, they come to this elf town, and um, it turns out that his mum has been there, and she's sort of related. They all know her, and um, no, it's a really it's a really nice story. Um, so I thought I could, could go into it and like. Yeah, <laughs> twenty okay. minutes telling you about it, but yeah, no, it's a really, it's, it's a really good journey. Um, you know, really good scenery. Um, yeah, it's a nice story. So it's definitely a yeah, one to watch at Christmas for sure. Okay, um, might have to say it just because he's my namesake, Gil Kennan. Although because he's American, he probably pronounces it Keenan. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> he he directed uh, Poltergeist, City of Ember. He did Monster House back in two thousand six. Um, he's actually also a writer for Ghostbusters Afterlife. So there you go. Um, cool. Um, I think that pretty much wraps up December. So mm. oh, I had oh. I had I had one film I saw. Oh god, I haven't mentioned Ghostbusters Afterlife. Wasn't that October, wasn't that November? We did that in November, no? 
I wouldn't mm. know when you guys did it. I saw it in the States. <laughs> in November. <laughs> we spoke about it. But did you see it in December? Did you see it in November? <laughs> I saw it in both months. I saw it again. <laughs> you were on the podcast when we spoke about it. <laughs> Are you sure? Because I saw it in the States. Yeah, I know. No, but you did. Because you told thing. us about watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Well, I saw it again yeah. <laughs> in December. In, he's right again in December. It still counts. It still counts. <laughs> I'm just going to the yeah. So November movie review. I'm looking at the YouTube video now to. <laughs> well, it's just that damn good. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, November we had Alex, Neil, Andreas, just uh, me, me and you. So. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember. Yeah. About that. It is that damn good. It is that damn good. It is that damn good. Now that make your top ten of the year. Oh, it's a year. Uh, well, thank you very much for joining me today, gentlemen. Much appreciated. So we hope that we've given you some a uh, little bit of insight and thoughts on the movies that are released this year. Some we've just kind of gassed about how much we loved it, not giving you much information at all, in which case just go watch the movies. Um, others we've kind of gone into more in depth with, but that's the trouble when you're trying to go through like 20 movies in one episode. Um, but look, we've got a lot we're looking forward to in terms of 2020. Uh, we've got a list of stuff that's coming up. So we are going to do a... Um, you mean 2022? What's that? You mean 2022? 2022, yeah, I do mean that. Um, <laughs> so we're going to do 10 movies and a top uh, top 10 best, top 10 worst movies of 2021. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Spider-Man, What's Next, The Matrix, uh, What's Next, um, Aliens, What's Next. You know, we're going to be kind of going in that, coming up with some ideas, casting ideas and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, plus we'll do continue to do our reviews. Um, we won't be doing... Uh, uh, Morbius because that's now April. So, um, what's our what's our big release for January? Scream, Scream. That is it. That'll probably be our next cinema visit. So, uh, we'll do a spoiler review for that. Any thoughts on who the killer is going to be? Um, Randy. Yeah, I'd give it. I say they, they they somebody used the Ouija board. They brought Randy back, and he's like, <laughs> "Screw it, you guys let me die in Scream too." And now everybody <laughs> suffers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even um, remember what happened in the sequels. I mean, I've I've seen the first one, you know, a couple of times, but I think I've only seen the sequels maybe once when they first came out. So yeah, I don't same. even know what the last <laughs> what happened. The last how many? You know what? what? I mean, there's four. Three, but I would I would say number right? five. I tell you this, right? Scream Four has my favorite moment in any Scream film. I don't even know if I saw that. Elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> Hayden Petinier's character, I believe it's Kirby. Go for the classic moment of, oh, you know, in which horror movie is, you know, like, you know, ask, ask a horror movie question. And all the killer gets to say is, who's the killer in? And then she literally lists like every horror movie villain possible. I mean, this list goes on for like 30 seconds. And when she's done, she's like, did I get it? Did I get it? I fucking got it. <laughs> she puts the phone down and I was just like, fell in love. <laughs> I don't remember Scream, much of Scream 4 at all. Mm. I'm looking at the posters and I'm like, 
Did I watch this movie? Yeah, I <laughs> no, I, I, don't must think have. I, I don't think I saw the fourth one. But no, I'll have to, I'll have to revisit it. They're good movies. You should watch yeah. them. No, I will, I'll, I'll well, revisit them. Let me rephrase that. Scream is a film. Yeah, it's a film always praise a movie, number four. So, yeah, no, I will get on to it. So, that Neve Campbell, Cody Goss, David Arquette, all the usual suspects. But if Matthew Lillard isn't in this one, then they've gone wrong. That's what I'm saying. Well, look, he's in the first two. Yeah, he did good. Nah, nah, we want more. We want more. Um, I would have said if 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 um, Spider Man was made back in the day, he would have been who I want to play Cleese Cassidy. Mm-hmm. He would have been my car- he would have been my carnage. You know what? You know what, Ken? You know what we? What I, I, I feel we should do. I'm saying it on air because that way, like, it can never be taken away. <laughs> we should do a retro casting. Take a yeah. film that we love and say, well, if this film, you know, that was made in. 2020 was made in 1990. Mm-hmm. Would be the cast. All right, cool. We can do that. Yeah, they've done a lot of that online in terms of like the Avengers, haven't they? The stuff Avengers like that. And stuff, yeah, they yeah. Well, they only do it for Avengers. They did like the, the 70s and the 90s. I'm like, yeah, yeah. something else. All right, we'll do that definitely. So, drop some comment, just drop some uh, ideas and movies in the comments uh, of some films that you'd like us to retrocast. Um, you know, back in like nineties and two thousands stuff like that. Excellent. So it was made back then. Who would we have cast? And uh, mm. see if we can do it better than uh, how they've done it recently. Um, Fast and Furious or something like that might be quite fun to do. You know, <laughs> <laughs> just correct, just correct, just correct those movies. Um, well, actually, we can. It was, it was Point Break, so this is the same thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just go back in. Keanu Reeves. Yeah, we're going to recast. Uh, we have Keanu Reeves, uh, Patrick Swayze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. No, man, I'd do it in like the 70s. I'd have Yul Brenner. I'd have Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. Yeah. Wow, okay. All right. We'll do that. We'll do that. Maybe what we'll do, depending on when the film was released, maybe it's like 30 years, like 30 years prior casting or something yeah. like that. Um, so whenever the film was released, we have to do 30 years earlier, something like that. So, okay. All right, cool. We'll put some thoughts into that. Thanks, Neil. I appreciate that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Thank you very much for listening, guys. We've chatted for quite a while this evening. So, oh my God, it's coming up to two hours. So if you're still with us, I appreciate it. Um, even if you're listening, you know, if when an episode is this long, listen to it, just put it on one and a half or two times speed. You know, it's just, you get through it. Listen. We've got great content. No, listen to it. Don't just listen for the first ten minutes and then just skip. This is our double speed all the way through. We we got some good things to say. Um, (laughs) Thank you. So, if uh, obviously all our um, episodes are available on YouTube, you can catch the video versions on YouTube. All our trailer reactions uh, and movie reviews. All our podcast episodes are available on all major platform networks. I said before, if you can uh, help support independent podcasts, um, you can do so on Good Pods. It's available on iOS and Android. Um, and we're, you know, we're, we're holding ourselves up in the rankings there. Um, but also, if you listen to us on Spotify, you can now rate podcasts on Spotify. So we really appreciate a five-star review um, on Spotify. So thank you very much for joining us, gentlemen. Much appreciated. And until next time, peace, peace. out. Peace.